You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for the return of Random Rewatches, our on-again, off-again project, where we literally just pick something at random and watch it. No intro, no case of TV shows, no episode one, two, and three, just dropping wherever we feel like, and every once in a while we do a movie, and we are coming to you for an entire month dedicated to 90s icon Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, this was a month that was suggested by Rossi uh, back uh, probably in the spring when uh, he wasn't aware Ben was already covering The Lion King. But by that point, we'd already committed to doing a month on Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So we're here to talk about his second great film, which is Wild America. <laughs> and at least two of us are excited to be here today for Jonathan Taylor Thomas Month and the kickoff of it with a rare movie rewatch. Uh, let's get right into it. My name is Colin, and who farted? My name is Ben, and if you've been podcasting without Ben, I'm going to bu- beat your butts to your nosebleeds. <laughs> And uh, my name is Rossi, and uh, how'd she handle? (laughs) You know what? Like, I got worried. I'm just going to, before we even get into our history with this movie, because I know one of us has none, um, I got worried 48 hours ago. I had not watched the movie yet, and I'll admit, it has been a long time since I've seen this. And Rossi's messaging me saying, like, you know, what is this movie? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. And he goes, it is not good at all. (laughs) Sorry to spoil Rossi's intro here. And I actually got worried for a second. I'm like, has it been that long? Like, is this one of these movies that actually will hold up? Because I saw this, as far as my history goes, probably opening weekend. This came out, like, right at the beginning of summer break. And uh, I don't. I think when I went to the theater, I wasn't even intending to see Wild America. I can't even tell you what I was intending to see. Maybe I was trying to see The Lost World for a second time, or something like that, or Men in Black. And I got there, and it just so happened to be like all the other showtimes for other movies had you know come and gone. Like, well, what's playing Wild America? Okay, I'll check that out. I, Home Improvement was like my favorite show, like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So why not? I watched the movie. I'm like, wow, this is such a fun movie. And I probably saw it maybe one more time since then. But it literally has been likely i'd say close to 20 years since i actually saw this movie the last time and i really did worry i'm like is this so dated that i just don't realize that it's not good anymore and that that you know it's it's a horrible 90s all the things the 27 percent of rotten tomatoes would lead you to believe and i'm like oh are we gonna be kicking off jonathan taylor thomas month with something that we're gonna be trashing and then Jonathan Taylor Thomas is going to hate us because we're dedicating a month to him by <laughs> basically recapping garbage. And I rewatch this. I'm like, wow, this is still a really fun movie. Now, granted, I know there's going to be complaints Rossi's going to bring up who has no history of this movie, no real nostalgia. And I'm not going to disagree with them. There are some real issues with this movie. But all around, I still enjoyed it. Um, we'll end off on the high note. Rossi, why don't you go first and tell us what you thought about this 48 hours ago when you saw it for the first time. Yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that obviously there is zero nostalgia for me to watch this movie other than maybe like Jonathan Taylor Thomas was in it and that was probably the only real draw for me to watch this movie and covering it on Jonathan Taylor Thomas month. But it just felt like it was like five different stories for me that they just couldn't pick one. So they were like drawing from different things. It felt so like random. Like I thought this was going to be like a 
spiritual like Native American quest where they have these like spirit animals because he sees the owl when it's not there or like and the other guy sees the lion when it's not there and stuff like that and I thought oh it's gonna be like this kind of trippy experience of like coming of age story like but then it just got weird and then some of the effects were really awful <laughs> like those bears are not good um <laughs> And like Jonathan Taylor Thomas flying in the air and the obvious green screen background and stuff like that. But I just, I was hoping, maybe I was hoping for too much. Maybe I thought it would be like the best, the best movie I've ever seen or something like that. And it's not? It just didn't live up. I don't know. Is it on your top movie, of the top 50 movies? Well, maybe we'll revise the list soon. I've forgotten a couple already. <laughs> There's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not the best. The, top 50 movies of all time but i would even put to consider this on my list for that anyway i'm done i i, I would, would i would love to put it up there in the top 50 jonathan taylor thomas movies i mean, i'm at least going to give it the credit for that <laughs> uh the jonathan taylor thomas movie <laughs> oh he had it what tom and huck i'll be home for christmas Pinoc- wasn't he in pinocchio was pinocchio that yeah man of the house <laughs> Oh, that's seriously. If you had done Man of the House, I would be on for that episode because I love Man Mm -hmm. of the House. That is a great movie. Bonus Um, episode. (laughs) Anyway, yes, bonus episode. Man of the House. Um, Rossi, what's wrong with you? This movie's amazing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I saw it at the movies. I think this was just one of these ones that Dad and I rented on a Saturday night because it had just come out, and I loved it. And I ended up getting it on video for Christmas one year. And this is just similar to what we talked about when we did, say, Twister, Cool Running. You know, this is just one of those movies that I would just, I swear, in every couple of weeks, I would just watch or, you know, school holidays, I'd watch it like two or three times a day. Like, I would just always watch this movie. Um, and I loved it. I just I just loved it. And I probably hadn't seen this in a decade since, you know, we watched it for this episode. And I was kind of thinking, like, oh, you know is this also going to be one of these movies like, oh, loved it as a kid, but when you grow up. But, but like, yeah, as an adult, I'll admit, you do notice a lot of differences and a lot of like, okay, well, that's flawed and that doesn't work. And, yeah, those bears, holy crap. Does <laughs> <laughs> um, Godzilla look more realistic in, like, the 1960s Japanese films sometimes? Possibly. <laughs> For the most part, this movie still is is incredible. And it's kind of sad that this is what 22 years old and you know this whole month celebrating the amazing jtt and his obscure life of hiding now and no one knows where he is but then you know i also get sad looking at the likes of devon sawyer and thinking oh "Oh, look at him (laughs) and then i'm also sad for all the children that hung around with scott oh well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I didn't know that about Scott Bairstow I did. until about 24 hours ago. And I'm a bit sad now because I always liked him in this movie. <laughs> so, um, and also, hats off to random Danny Glover being in this movie <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> but otherwise, I love this movie. This movie is great. It's got a great soundtrack. It's great. It, just, it makes me want to travel or do a road mm. trip around America. Like It's just one of these movies that does that. And... I don't know, like, I think kind of, a, you see this as a certain age as well, it's, you know, boys of a certain age watching a movie like this, you kind of relate mm. to it, I guess, it's like when you see Stand By Me, like, you know, it's yeah. kind of, you, you relate to it, because we're teenage boys once who want to 
film alligators in bear caves, apparently. Well, the, I think that's the thing is because, you know, the nostalgia for me, it's not like this is one of these movies I watched over and over again. It was one of these movies I saw once or twice and didn't really enjoy it and always sort of looked at it and said, oh, man, that was that movie really surprised me how good it was. And um, I wouldn't say that, like, I have ever really thought of this is a oh I remember everything I I barely remembered anything about this movie I remember you know some of the sequences like with the moose obviously uh, you know the bear cave but there is a style of movie that I'm very nostalgic for which is that 90s kid adventure movies like Stand By Me would be a good example from like a dramatic version but uh, one of my favorites was a movie called Camp Nowhere that Christopher Lloyd was in which was about a bunch of kids that rented their own summer camp like free of supervision and it was movies like that in Wild America which it, it kind of was the fantasy for kids or teenagers imagine if you could just do these incredible things and you didn't have to worry about parent supervision and stuff like that and I can honestly say like these guys are very close to the way I was growing up I mean uh, I, we got like a video camera when I was, I don't know, 12 or something like that. And we would just make movies in our basement, like 24 seven. And then I'd go over to my friend's house and he had a video camera and we'd work on special effects and, uh, let's do this and that and do some of our own skits. And I always would just come up with ideas of things that would probably come across very boring if you would actually watch it, but it would be things like this. Like, what would it be like to just take a camera and go out into the wild and film, you know, uh, the, the a waterfall or you know, some type of uh, shark attack <laughs> on a bear or something like that. A shark attacking a bear. Those things that come into your head, you're like, oh, that would be really cool. And I think that's what makes me nostalgic for this movie is that, that style of movie, but also the fact that I kind of was these guys. Maybe a little less reckless, but this was me growing up. So it was fun for me still. Um, we will address <laughs> a little bit of the careers since then of uh, everybody involved but let's also just give the shout out to uh, JTT and the reason for his month with this September being Jonathan Taylor Thomas's birth month at the time this episode was going up we're about six days I think away from his 38th birthday I think Uh, so he's he's slowly coming out of obscurity as Ben said you know we're going to be watching yes Sorry, he's not... No, 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 I'm saying no, he's not that old. I don't believe it. He's always going to be this age. Well, that's the crazy thing. I mean, Rossi and I, we're going to cover, in my opinion, the greatest home improvement episode that uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas ever had, like his crowning achievement as an actor. Uh, but on that show, he played the middle son, but he was actually the oldest of all the actors. I think it's just that his stature, being such a short actor, he was able to play these young characters. Because even at the time this movie comes out, he's not really that much younger than Devin Sauer or, or uh, Scott Berstow. Uh And, you know, everybody's sort of gone on to some level of fame post this. <laughs> we'll try to avoid some of it. But I do want to throw a shout out to how I was aware of the Scott Berstow, um fiascos, <laughs> which is that... For the longest time, this was like a proud hometown boy because he's not from Winnipeg specifically, but he's from Steinbach, which is about 40 minutes from Winnipeg, uh, where, you know, Jamie has a sister that still lives. And we went to just a couple of months ago. And I always would remember that, you know, with very few actors that came from Wendy Crewson from the Santa Claus movies, obviously being one of the big ones. And Scott Berso was the other one. So I would see him pop every once in a while. And I'd be like, oh, it's, you know, a Manitoba boy. And. Well, now you don't want to be proud of that, but uh, how how old's Jamie's sister? She, she wasn't twelve no. about um, <laughs> seventeen years ago. Was no, she? she's 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 a couple years older than that. <laughs> um, 
Can I share a fun Jonathan Taylor random Jonathan Taylor Thomas sure. story? Because I'm not going to be on the rest of these episodes. And also, Rossi, can I just point out that I'm sorry I took the Lion King from you, but I don't know if you listened to it, but I, I, I talked up JTT a lot in The Lion King because, yes, he's Simba, not the stupid dickwad who's <laughs> Simba in the new one, which don't ever watch it because it's dumb. Did you see it, Rossi? Did you see the new one? No, because I didn't have JTT. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. There you go. Um apparently the story of me my name how i was called ben or benjamin the original name that uh, my parents wanted for me was taylor because my dad's middle name is taylor and then they're like no no we don't want taylor so then they're actually going to call me thomas but then <laughs> there was a baby who was born um i think the day before me called thomas um so they're like oh no 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 and then the third name was jonathan so the three what? names that they wanted to call me were jonathan taylor tom but legitimately true story so then the fourth option they went with was benjamin so i nearly could have been jonathan taylor or thomas or wow. a combination of the three so true if, story there you go folks. like imagine if they just couldn't settle on a name and you were jonathan taylor thomas waterworth like <laughs> i know right and we could you could be interviewing Jonathan Taylor <laughs> Thomas right now. Like, it, hi, everyone. I loved being in Wild America. It was great. We are going to breeze through this movie, but I just want to take a couple seconds just to talk about, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and why he's so important to do a month on. Uh, but also, I'm just very curious. What were, do you know what the alternate names were for you, Rossi? I mean, Rossi is not your first name, but <laughs> did your parents ever tell you <laughs> if there was Isn't it? alternate choices? Um... Not that I can remember, but I wish it was Jonathan Taylor yeah. Thomas. <laughs> I, I thought Rossi was just like Madonna. Like, it was just one name. It like is. Rossi. Well, it is now. <laughs> Papers pending. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, my alternate name was basically my name all the way up until I was born. I was supposed to be Jordan Hilding. And uh, <laughs> it came so close that people showed up to the hospital after I was born with cards and you know balloons that said you know congratulations you know uh welcome baby jordan and my mom and dad were like um yeah actually we had to change a thought we called him colin instead so i was almost jordan hilding uh not quite jonathan taylor thomas but it's got a couple of the letters that are included in his names um <laughs> favorite jonathan taylor thomas what got you into jonathan taylor thomas everybody i mean for me obviously it was home improvement that was like my childhood favorite show uh i would i wouldn't say i would watch everything related to home improvement because the other brothers i mean zachary ty brian i, I could have no interest in anything he was in but there was just something jonathan taylor thomas was so fun he was like the smart kid but the funny kid too you know i think when you go back and watch home improvement he's got to be one of the greatest comedic child actors who have ever lived like his comic timing was as brilliant as tim allen and he was i think 11 or 12 years old when he started that show maybe even younger so he was the other one along with tim allen that you know, I would watch everything he was in. That's why I mentioned, like, Tom and Huck and Pinocchio and I'll Be Home for Christmas and all that. So it is fun to see him slowly starting to, you know, come back with uh, the Last Man Standing TV show with Tim Allen. And uh, you know, we're going to get to cover, I guess, one other post-role. But he basically, once Home Improvement went off the air, I mean, he went to college and he more or less just dropped off the face of the planet. So I think it's fun to do a month like this with, with an, an actor from days past where it's like, whatever happened to? And we can kind of cover all the bases here of, you know, him as a child, him as a teenager, him as a young adult, and now him, we're going to eventually cover something with him as a man nearing 40. Um, Rossi, what makes you a Jonathan Taylor Thomas fan? I, like you, saw him first in Home I mean, yeah, Home Improvement, and then obviously 
not immediately knowing, but obviously seeing the Lion King relatively few years after the fact that it came out, like had heard him then. And so like putting the pieces together, I realized that who the, he was and stuff like that. And I just kind of fell in love with the, he's got charm that I think that mm-hmm. most child actors don't have. I mean, he was a little bit older than some of the younger child actors that they put on TV and movies and stuff like that. But he just had real charm and he was interesting. He felt like an adult despite the fact that he was like 12 or 11 on Home Improvement and stuff like that. And I think that's just the kind of stuff that people are drawn to. That's kind of why he was this heartthrob for so many people when he was on TV and stuff. I just, I think he's great. I just wish he was in more, but I can see why he might not be given this. <laughs> Oh, shots fired already at Wild America, and we haven't even started. Listen, I love Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but this movie was not good. This was Rossi's idea for this month. Um, that's why I'm disappointed. But I'm glad Ben's here to to you know give us, I guess, a, a little bit of the, uh, the 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 power in our favor here. Uh, let's get into the movie and talk about some of the fun stuff here. I just want to say that's the first time you've ever said that about me. Yeah, I'm so glad Ben's here. <laughs> Um, the only time. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Rossi, for hating this movie. So Colin appreciates me for once. Uh, if Ben just suddenly drops out, like this is going to be a disaster. Uh, but I'm 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 happy to say that I am now happy to put this up as the first random rewatch of Jonathan Taylor Thomas month. Um, so the movie really starts with JTT in the woods, and I think that's the most interesting thing about this movie is that it is based on the. I'm not going to say this movie is true. This movie is very fictionalized, very dramatized, but based on experiences of the real-life characters, the Stelfer brothers, particularly the older two. And the main character here is the youngest of the brothers, who it took you know a pretty um, lengthy Google search to realize the youngest brother, Marshall, that Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays, ever did anything with them. I mean, he got into it very late in the game, but he's just the, the main character, even though it's not really his story. Um, we see him running through the woods, He's narrating, talking about, you know, this is the story of how I survived my big brothers. Uh, This reminds me not so much of my own childhood, but uh, I do know that uh, Jamie, who is the only girl with seven brothers, told me many stories of stuff like this. As they're chasing him down, you realize you think he's running from, especially if you see the trailers, you think he's running from animals in the woods. And he is. Those animals are just his brothers, though. Uh, So his older brothers, Devin Saw and Scott uh, Barristow, catch him. They strap him to a chair and they hang him above a pool. Uh, they're talking about this. This is his way to cure him of heights. And I love his narration saying, funny thing is I never had a fear of heights until they started doing this to me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we get the line here. Well, I'm going to beat your butts until your noses bleed. <laughs> ben mentioned uh, the reason they're hanging him here. I th- thought even knowing what this movie is about at the beginning it was just them torturing him. Uh, they basically cut the rope. And they're filming him dunking their brother strapped to a chair into a pool as they're throwing firecrackers into the pool. Not a game of torture, but just see how quickly he could get out of there. And this is all the type of movies they make. So following this, you know, he gets out of the the chair. Um, Mark, the middle brother, says, you know, he beat my record by however many seconds. Go in the house. The mother just doesn't bother her at all. It's like, hey, boys, how's it going? <laughs> it's like, fine, mom. <laughs> um, we see something which was such a subtle joke. I didn't realize it at first is uh, JTT is cleaning the toilets with a toothbrush. And then he just sees him put it back. <laughs> this is a revenge on his older brothers. I'm going to clean the toilet with your toothbrushes. 
we get introduced to all the stuff around their house. I mean, they got lots of animals and quirky stuff. Leona the Owl, which is uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's. Uh, it's so hard to say Jonathan Taylor Thomas. JTT. Uh, that's his sort of his pet. Come on, Colin, get with the 90s vibe. JTT, man, like, Jesus. Fine, Benjamin Jonathan Taylor Thomas Waterworth. <laughs> uh, and uh, you see, you know, him going, I guess the, the other fun thing they have at home is this this airplane that the, the dad has been building. And JTT, or uh, Marshall, the youngest brother, is hiding in the airplane. As his older brothers come in with a couple of other kids and girls... And he's narrating that, you know, there's one movie theater in town and then the other movie theater is their garage or their barn as they show these movies that they film at home. And, uh, you know, it's just exactly what we saw them film earlier with them dunking him in the water. Things of them jumping off roofs with skis, uh, all this crazy stuff. We get quick introductions to the parents, um, the mother, the semi-famous actress Frances Fisher who was in another movie in 1997 that shall not be named because it's complete garbage and we spent, too long, we spent too long talking about it already um, download that Titanic recap it's only five hours long it's great <laughs> and then the father played by Jamie Sheridan who is also amazing and one of these actors that pops up in lots of little things I know he's on a TV show that Ben's a big fan of but uh, I saw him in the um, the Stephen King miniseries, The Stand, which is now being you know remade on CBS All Access, which is absolutely brilliant, uh, where he basically played the Antichrist. So whenever I see him in movies like this, like there's always something really sinister about him. Uh, I probably perceive him as being more of a threatening dad than he should be, just because I'm most familiar with him playing the Antichrist. Um, but what TV show are you referring to? Veronica's Closet or Suits? <laughs> Was Jamie Sheridan on Veronica's Closet or Suits? It says oh, he's, he's on Homeland. Homeland. Well, that's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the vice president of the United States, it says on Homeland, he's most yeah. well-known for. But had I known Veronica's Closet, I would have said... Suits better. Yeah. Let's not... Rossi, are you a Suits fan or a Veronica's Closet fan? I haven't watched either. Oh, uh, Suits you is a good You can get your suit show. from Veronica's Closet. There you go. <laughs> like, they could be a tie-in. You could do a crossover. There we go. The Jamie Sheridan spinoff. Uh, the Antichrist <laughs> getting his suits from Veronica's Closet. <laughs> um, so a couple of things that happen in the opening sequence here. We see them doing some type of mud racing. Uh, the oldest brother, Marty, who, uh, of course, is the real-life character who created the PBS series Wild America, which uh, this movie is sort of about You know what led them to do that. And uh, they're showing off, and the bully here, played by Zach Ward, who always plays a great bully, who was most famous for the Christmas movie, uh, A Christmas Story, um, where he played the bully in that, uh, one of the most iconic bullies of all time. And um, he's complaining, saying, you know, it's not really fair. My vehicle weighs like 500 pounds more than yours does. So it says, okay, so how do we even the odds? Cut to a shot of them towing Jonathan Taylor Thomas's body behind their little mud racer here. Uh, after the race, he, he basically flies off and he's like, did we win? Did we win? Which is great. And then um, these college girls show up and the older brothers are, of course, you know, uh, all over them. But they're not impressed at all because the youngest brother was put in danger. Um, what other stuff do we have here? They uh, go to get their film developed at one point. And um, they see this brand new camera, which the the guy at the film development store, <laughs> the local film development store, whatever that is, saying this was an authentic television camera. And Marty is looking through the lens and 
He sees a lion. He jumps. He realizes it's just a dog. Uh, they want to buy this camera. We get a quick scene of the parents debating over the money. Uh, and the mom says, well, I'll give them my Hawaii money the, for her vacation to Hawaii. Uh, they get this camera. They go out deer hunting or deer filming. And the bully DC, Zach Ward, he shoots this deer. We get a very, I'm going to say this plays as kind of awkward, maybe overly uh, sappy scene where after he shoots the deer that they're filming, Marty goes up and he's like caressing this thing and slitting its neck and tear rolling down his cheek. It's a little too much, I think. Um, as they're he's imagining it's a twelve-year-old girl. Oh, I can't believe you went there again. <laughs> <laughs> former former home province hero Scott Barstow. Uh, <laughs> so. As JTT is narrating, saying, you know, he told us that the film was overexposed, but I know that's not the case. And they watch him crying again, watching the footage of this. So you get he loves animals. And um, this all basically leads to them wanting to go and film wildlife. It's like, we got a really great idea. You know, we could put this together and we could sell it to TV and, you know, we could find a way to get out of this town. You know, you get that the older two brothers don't want to be here. The dad wants him to take over the business. He says no because his middle child still has two years of school left. This is what I really like about the dad character. They present him in these scenes as being, no, you need to take over the family business. You think he's going to be this way the whole movie. And instead, he says, you know what? Your brother's got two years of school left. I'll give you till the end of the summer. And he lets them go. So as they're you know getting ready to leave, the, the two older brothers uh, have brilliant dialogue here's this whole town can kiss our butts yeah one cheek at a time (laughs) and then they do the weirdest pact ever they say they want to become blood brothers as jtt is sort of watching on not part of this the older two brothers melt metal and dump it down their backs which let's just say it enters the back of their shirts and comes out through their the bottom of their pants I don't want to know where it passed through to get there, but this looks way too painful. It's just weird. Uh, and JTT saying, you know, if they'd asked me, I would have gone in a second. Um, which all leads to them leaving town. This is the setup for their Wild America adventure where they're going to go off filming wildlife as they're throwing firecrackers at Bully DC as they're leaving. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know, a little while after they are out of town, jumps out of the backseat scaring them, which leads them to call mom. And he's locking himself in the phone booth saying, please let me stay. You know, you know, you do this if you were me too. She says, okay, give him two weeks with you and then put him back on a bus home. So that leads to all three brothers now going off on their wild America adventure of greatness and filming wildlife and burning themselves with metal and the whole town kissing them one cheek at a time. Rossi. Um, one of the issues that I have with, like, it's not his fault, but with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, is that, like, they get him for a movie or TV, and the the whole thing, like, bends over backwards to give him, like, the best thing that he is. Like, this is, like you said, a movie about the oldest brother, told from the guy least involved in the entire project, Mm -hmm. like, narrating the whole story, uh, and then... Like, he's not even supposed to be on this trip and in general, and then all of a sudden he sneaks in, and the mother loves him so much that, like, compared to the other two, that she'll just say, you know what, stay, and stuff like that. So, like, 
like to the detriment of the story, like this character is the greatest thing ever that we have to know everything from his perspective and all this kind of stuff. So it's just kind of frustrating from that. Cause like, if this is supposed to be the brother's story, why aren't we like getting more from them and stuff like that? Uh, but that's just like a minor thing about all of JTT's stuff. Uh, and like, I can get like some of the stuff, like I think was fine. Like I had no, I have no problem with some of the scenes, like the, the chasing him and the whole like filming the movies is cool. I really loved when they were in the like garage, their like hangar or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they're showing the movies that he shot. I thought that was really cool. And like JTT in the plane, like watching. Like I don't even know if they know he's there or whatever, but like just that kind of stuff is so cool. And I like love the whole. I love the movie storyline. I thought that was the best thing. I just think that the whole like there was stuff in between that gets messed up. Uh, like the mother saying that she's supposed to give him the Hawaii money for this uh, big trip that they want to go on. And then it's just never talked about. And in the end credit, she's like, she was in Hawaii for two weeks. Like it's supposed to be like a big issue. Like how dare you give away the Hawaii money? And then it's never talked about again until she's in Hawaii and stuff like that. And like where they get the magic money. I don't know where they cut that comes from, but, Oh, and the father. I hated the father. He was the worst. Oh, there's moments, but I think that what I mean, don't you get kind of what I said though that like they make you think, okay, this is going to be the worst father ever, but then he has these moments where he's like, "You know what? I'm going to give you to the end of the summer. Do your thing." Like he's slightly encouraging, but I think he's also realistic. And and maybe this is just a, an adult thing now, you know, you always watch these movies where you know, oh, you got to let the kids live their life and you know, pursue their dreams. And then we come an adult yourself, you realize, man, my dreams, like, I would have died in poverty if I followed my dreams. Like, every once in a while, you got to make a responsible decision. And I just felt like he just, like, never wanted, like, anything. And, like, even the whole, like, heart-tugging scene later on in the hospital was, like, really just so not, like, it just didn't feel like, oh, he, like, really is like after his children following their dreams and stuff like that he's still like the ass that's like get to work in the shop like so i don't know i just wasn't a fan ben well um <laughs> well <laughs> this is 1960s arkansas and their carburetor fixer upper yes um, this is the lifeblood of their family um their town i think well, I think you summed it up well, Colin, that he's kind of got a hard edge to him. This whole, like, you know, there's that livelihood, you got to do this, you got to do that. But he's also, you know, a bit of a caring father. I think he could have been more dickish, you know what I mean? Like, he, he gave them, a you know, a couple of opportunities here and there, and they, for the most part, took the most of it, except for crashing the truck and stuff, but... Um, I read a review of this film, basically, and this person was just like, oh, they put their father and their business into debt by buying a stupid camera. <laughs> um, like, the whole purpose of this film is to kind of celebrate the fact that this guy went on to be a celebrated documentarian, right? Mm. So, like, it's not like this is just a movie about failure and don't follow your dreams, kids, because you'll put your parents into debt. Um, but I, I like all this setup. And um, does Scott Besto remind you of Hayden Christensen at all? Can I just ask that yeah, question? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I get, I get that. Like, yeah, I think there's just a bit of Hayden Christensen about him. So it's a Canadian thing. Look, he could have been the next Anakin. Yeah, yeah, could have been the next Anakin Skywalker. 
Um, well, I mean, but, you know, I, I don't think he's comfortable <laughs> being the younger man in that relationship. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I mean, look, in all fairness, Anakin did like, well, Padme was 14, wasn't she? Not 12. So, <laughs> oh, the youngling scene would have played so much worse with him. <laughs> Boom, that wasn't the lightsaber that he got out. Master Skywalker, um, <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> That's not your lightsaber, sir. Shut up. Oh. Um. <laughs> this is like the most family-friendly month we've ever done or <laughs> into already. <laughs> I don't like sand. It's too old. Uh. <laughs> um, you, neither of you have mentioned uh, the most amazing character in this whole movie. That's Leon. <laughs> well, his best stuff's still to come. Oh, I don't know about that. Like he's there with uh, JTT's leg in the grass, looking at the clouds. It's like I think that's a goat's butt. <laughs> no, he he. <laughs> I was trying to. He rattles off everything under the sun. Yeah, and that, I was trying to find that to see if there was like a script of that because I wanted that to be my opening line, like, <laughs> goat's butt. Don't no, nope, definitely rabbit line down. Um, I, I love the bit when um, they're about to leave. It's like, you boys be careful. Don't want to end up in a fiery car accident in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> the look that the mother gives him. Oh, I love him. He's so good. But I think what's so good about this movie too is the chemistry with all three of them. Um, I think they're believable as brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, what's the name? Is it Francis McDormer? Francis Fisher. Fisher. Francis Fisher. Francis <laughs> McDormer's a different person. Very different. It? Um, but yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, like she's great in everything she's in. Uh, Almost. didn't she, did she get nominated for an Oscar? Did we not discover mm. this in Titanic or? I mean, not something? for Titanic. She didn't. Uh, yeah, I think she got nominated for something, didn't she? Um, but yeah, just I think the whole cast has a great um, chemistry about them. I like uh, Zach Ward as well. DC. He fun fact: he was in an episode of Lost. He was in the Lost episode where Boone died. Was he? <laughs> yes, he was. He was in the flashback with Jack. Because of course, when Boone died, of course, it had to be about Jack. Um, but <laughs> our hero. Um, download our Lost recap series on the Earth Network. But yeah, I love all this setup. Like it just I don't know. Like I didn't never had a brother so you know i didn't go around filming people getting blown up and stuff like that but you know there's still something about just your childhood and things you did as a a kid and as a teenager that kind of you know i feel like you relate to this Mm -hmm. i wasn't exactly a daredevil type of person like i'm a wuss so like i wouldn't (laughs) do stupid things like that like the, the worst i did was like with my sister like we got a um you would call it, I guess, a trash. Like, there's a, like the the trash cans with like wheels on it. We call them wheelie yeah. bins, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know what you guys call them. Um, so we got they like were new, and she's all like, "Oh, I bet I could fit in one." I'm like, "Okay, get in there." And then she got in there, and then she couldn't get out, and then I just left her. <laughs> <laughs> I just see you like, like walking like, away, <laughs> whistling. Well, she's like screaming at the top, like, "Bad, bad, let me out, let me out!" And I'm like, "Not see you, bye." And I went inside. Another time we had these stairs in our uh, living room, which um, she said, I bet you I could fit under them. I'm like, go on. She got stuck. And I left her. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still under there. Uh, <laughs> if I ever get in serious trouble, I hope to God Ben is not with me. 
In all fairness, this is the same sister who tripped me as like a three-year-old and cut my head open and also used to tie a rope around my neck as a baby and drag me around thinking I was a dog. So um, so you that- were JTT and she was Scott Bearstow or <laughs> Devin Saw. No, she's Devin Sawyer. She's, uh, <laughs> don't say anyone's Scott Bearstow. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's definitely Devin Sawyer. And can we just point out, Devin Sawyer, like, whatever happened to him? <laughs> no, that's interesting. Cause... I remember him from Casper and then Now yeah. This, and then he was in Now and Then. I used to like Now and Then as well. Good movie. Well, and he's another Canadian actor, and, I mean, there weren't that many big Canadian actors. You know, the, the Canadian actors were all comedians when I was growing up. It was Jim Carrey and Mike Myers and Dan Aykroyd or you know, anybody who was on Saturday Night Live, um, John Candy. So to have like any dramatic actor, especially a young one, was unusual. Um, he he did a movie here in Canada. It wasn't like a big budget movie or anything, but like it was somewhat well known called um, The Boys Club, which was really good. And there's actually a really good Matthew McConaughey movie called Mud that came out years later, which was sort of what started Matthew McConaughey's resurgence in an actor. That basically is like almost you know shot for shot the same as this movie Boys Club. It's like these three kids in a treehouse and this convicted you know felon who sort of falls in with them and they they hide him. Uh, so I remember seeing him even before Wild America and stuff like that, you know, because I don't think I had even seen Casper. But, I mean, following this, he had the movie Idle Hands, which was a big, you know, cult favorite. And then, of course, Final Destination. I mean, he was the original star of the original Final Destination movie. And then he just disappears mm. off the face of the planet. I mean, it's it's weird because of all three of these guys, he's the one who probably had the biggest boost to his career. And it was looking like, you know, he was headed somewhere. Also say just other couple of things. Um, I love... Like, this Julianne character, when it's like, you know, and Mark was practicing his Romeo and his Julianne, like, mm. he's she's with Mark here, and then when they go away for a couple of months, she's just, like, with DC, and nothing's <laughs> ever explained about that. Like, is she, like, the worst character she's, in this movie? She's like, the Mary Jane Watson of the Wild America universe. She is. Easily, easily. Um, a couple of things as well. Um, the scenery of this movie is great. Like, it looks visually fantastic. I think they do a good job of kind of getting the vibe that this is set in the 60s done right. I really like the score and the music of this film. But I think, Rossi, you touched on some of the visual effects. Um, there's two notable ones here. When um, JTT's in the hood of the car and he's, like, flying through the mud uh, at the end, like, it's just it's terribly green-screened, like, it doesn't date very well. Yeah. And it also doesn't make sense the way they've edited that scene because if you watch the cars when they come to a halt, they've already gone over this giant bump and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, like, he just goes flying <laughs> over this bump. I also like these college girls who are, like, basically trying to uh, flirt with high school boys, yeah. okay? Um, and also when he's got the camera and he's going around the room and he sees the dog turn into the lion, the way they edit the, the lion kind of like, it's just this awkward little pause freeze frame at the end where like, they've clearly tried to extend the shot by like a couple of seconds or like a millisecond. And you just see the lion's head like shaking awkwardly, just the way that they've edited it. So there's definitely a couple of editing faux pas in this movie as well, but uh, I like the setup. I, I, I like the setup of this and yeah. Don't ever touch a woman's Hawaii money. I'll give him my Hawaii money. I love the way she says it. Like she's just so. I'll give him my Hawaii money. Like hell, you won't. You've been saving that for years. You won't give him your Hawaii money. I need that to buy my carburetors. <laughs> Everyone in the sixties in Arkansas was very much um, into their Hawaii money. Uh, before I move on, I want to ask Rossi: Do you have any like childhood torture stories? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> 
Interesting childhood. Okay. <laughs> Rossi was a very good boy. Uh, <laughs> do you have any brothers and sisters, Rossi? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that's why. Okay, there you go. You need siblings you in order to be tortured. Um, yeah. I just want to say one thing again, a little bit in defense of the dad. Uh, have either of you seen the movie October Sky? It's a much better movie than this, but have you seen it? No. I've seen November Sky, but not... <laughs> No, bad Vanilla joke. Sky, on. different movie. Um, Rossi, did you ever see October oh, Sky? God. Only December Sky. <laughs> okay, well, October Sky is... Th- oh, you're laughing at Rossi's joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some things that he can fulfill in this podcast. You can't, Ben. <laughs> uh, Clearly. October Sky is the number one movie that I'm like, how did I miss that in my top 50 favorite movies? Uh, that, that's a movie. It was actually Jake Gyllenhaal's first movie. And it's um, a true story about these four kids who are living in a town very similar to this who, you know, during the the space race wanted to build rockets. And they actually built one so advanced that they, you know, one of them ended up working for NASA. And it was the same type of story. Like, you you want to get out of this small town. But, I mean, that movie being a more dramatic movie, I think, makes you understand more that, like, it's not just as simple as, oh, well, my kids want to follow their dreams. You do need, especially in a small town like this, you need to be even more realistic about what their ambitions are. Because I got to be honest, if Casper says to me, you know, I'm going to take our video camera and I'm going to go film, you know, Canadian wildlife, I'm going to be like, okay, well, how are you going to survive when you get home? <laughs> I'm not just going to pay for this. Like, Jamie and I were talking about that today. She's like, you know, I want to put money away for their, their education. And I was saying, like, again, this is just my personal opinion. I'm like, if my parents had given me money for my education, I actually did have that originally and I didn't go to school right away and I'm glad I didn't because I, I probably would have just taken something that would have been no use to me because I was interested in it. And you know, as an adult going back to school, I had to really take my pick on what am I going to be able to survive off of, what, what's going to give me some form of future. So I think I understand the dad a little bit more in that sense, especially as Ben, you said, this is a small town Arkansas in the 60s and nobody had done this before. They're, they're basically doing this because they said nobody has ever filmed all the wildlife in this country. And this is something that people haven't even seen before. Just the idea that they had their own video camera was crazy. So um, I, I'm not that hard on the dad. Although there's some moments here where I think maybe they could have made the character uh, not so much not bipolar. Um, but I'm going to completely agree about the editing. Like, there are moments in this movie that it's done really well. And there are moments where the editing is such a mess. I'm like, I don't even understand what's going on. Like, it may have some of the sloppiest editing of any movie from the 90s. Another thing that doesn't date so well is how we start the next sequence when they're on the road, which is as the two brothers are, you know, peeing in the stream and JTT is filling the canteens. Uh, A, Jamie's watching this and she's like, that's so fake you can't even see the urine <laughs> they're just standing there with like handling themselves and there's clearly no stream coming out which that could have been an easy trick to fix there um but it's just the way that scene plays out like it took me a while to even get that gag that he's behind them in the stream filling up the canteens now if he had had a look on his face like this sinister look i've been like okay i get the joke but like you can't even necessarily tell which way the water's flowing there especially because you don't see any urine. <laughs> you don't necessarily know what they're doing. Uh, so later on, you know, we see that they have the, the eagle that they just barely miss a shot of, so it's not even off to a good start. They almost break the window to get the eagle. And then um, Mark is taking his canteen, drinking it, splashing the water on his face, and he's saying to JTT, hey, you want some of this? He goes, uh, no, that's okay. That's really the only time where I absolutely got this was supposed to be a joke. And I think this movie really does miss when it 
gets into some of the juvenile 90s humor, which, I don't know, this movie probably would play better just a straight adventure movie without some of those you know, immature jokes, because I just think they're, they're not handled well. It's not necessarily funny. It feels out of place in this movie that's trying to take itself seriously and really show you you know, these incredible locations and everything. Um, they, they're, I don't even know if they're supposed to be in Florida at this point, but they're getting this boat in a swamp, and you Louisiana. have the, the, Louisiana here. So they get the craziest character in this movie who is just all kinds of wrong. <laughs> As he's going on these rants, I pulled my knife, uh, it only got my leg, and he's stabbing himself in the leg and then standing up as the knife's wiggling back and forth. That's kind of okay. Uh, before they go in this boat, you know, they they meet these hippie girls and everything. Um, they Or does that come later? I can't remember. The skinny dipping? No, that does come later. I like that scene. I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, so they're in the swamp here at night, by the way, which I don't even think a high-def camera today is going to film anything with a flashlight on it in the middle of a swamp <laughs> in the middle of the night. But they got incredible footage out of this uh, eight millimeter camera, or whatever it is they have, and um, they, they want to throw the bait in there to lure this alligator out. Uh, they throw the entire bag; it gets caught on a branch. So Devin Sawa has to go in there and retrieve it. Which I love that he puts on the rubber pants and then wades out neck deep in the water. Like, what are those rubber pants gonna do when the water is up to your neck? Uh, before he gets there, he sees the alligator. We get a little bit of a chasing here. He gets caught underwater. JTT gets his action sequence as he dives in with his flashlight that miraculously works underwater as well. <laughs> Batteries hold up really well in water. And uh, he gets face-to-face with the alligator. It chases them. Doesn't really look so good in a lot of the shots. I do like the visual, though, of the flashlight in the alligator's mouth as it's sort of opening and closing. Um, they barely make it back to the boat. I mean, that alligator's still ripping that boat to pieces even when they get inside. Um, that's just you know, yeah. my opinion. Uh, so when they go back, they meet this crazy Louisiana boat um, renter guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you call him? <laughs> this guy from Deliverance. And you know he's talking about this alligator getting his best friend, um, Phil, and uh, like, Phil and me served in Korea, and he's just so over the top that it's almost annoying at times. So this is where I'll kind of agree with Rossi. I'm like, not everything works in this movie. Uh, they get the first mention of the cave full of all the bears, where the bears are all hibernating together, and uh, then he says, "You know, you come inside. I'll show you the the my friend." And he's like. Uh, we we got the whole dang gator suit. Oh, and then he, he he I think he's supposed to be laughing as he's showing him the image of this. <laughs> Instead, it sounds like he, I'm sorry on the family friendly podcast. We can go into, it literally sounds like he's masturbating in front of the kids. He's oh, 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 oh. it's and just that's where Scott Basto got it. No, oh. <laughs> this guy's just so bad. Uh, after this, um, we abruptly cut to the hippie skinny dipping girls uh so the two older brothers go skinny dipping with the girls and of course jtt is left behind to guard the equipment you know very well what he's going to do and you know it's going to come up later on um a lot of like 60s music plays here steppenwolf gets played several times here we get magic carpet ride and board to be wild played steppenwolf probably the original canadian you know uh rock band so they're the band with the blind singer they're famous for that obviously 
And uh, another great Canadian thing. This movie's just all full of Canada. Child molesters, blind musicians, everything our country's <laughs> proud of. Uh, and here we get wow. um, probably my favorite sequence in the movie, short of some bad effects, which is when they're in the devil's playground here. Uh, and I-, I like that they enter this, you know, driving over the barbed wire by laying this metal sign down and then... After they drive over, there's that really cool shot where the sign flips and you see no trespassing U.S. government. Um, They're hiding in the shade, just waiting for something to come. We get some shirtless scenes here. Sadly, Jamie was out of the room at that time. Otherwise, she would have enjoyed it. And JTT is the only one who's out there braving the sun. He's like, hey, guys, come here. And we get a deer. um, Which, I'm just going to say, 90% of the stuff these guys shoot, I swear, is deers. It's like... They went to tour the country to get a lot of footage of deer. And, I mean, they're from Arkansas. We already saw them with a the deer. Like, I can just imagine them being like, whoa, look at that. That's a deer. You don't see that every day. <laughs> Maybe they could have shown a little bit more than deer here. But, of course, this is just um, the, uh, the the lead up to the, the wolf attack, which is really cool. And this is the type of stuff you see on nature documentaries. They're getting the footage of it. Um and then, of course, there's a giant bomb explosion. Uh, the uh, I guess this was a, that rock that they're getting the shade around gets blown up around them. So now they got footage of explosions. We get a horse stampede coming through. Uh, they're jumping in the, the truck. This is a really cool scene uh, where they're in the truck and being chased by the um, uh, the the the, hor- the horses on each side. And I love when that shows in the movie later on. Uh, this is no, this isn't the one with the the moose, is it? So I think that's coming up later on, or is it here? Somebody tell me. No, it's just after here, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad your notes are better than mine. <laughs> uh, so uh, JTT thinks he sees Leona. He leads him into a cave, and they see all these cave paintings. Uh, so they're like, "Oh, what does this say?" So, of course, they have to get your mandatory shot for the 14-year-old girls where Jonathan Taylor Thomas has no shirt. So the only way they could do this is to copy the paintings onto their little brother's chest as we get the the old lady who's translating what this is. They get the location where this cave might be. We get another playing of Born to be Wild, more Steppenwolf here. Uh, JTT apparently has a bear whistle as they're trying to lure (laughs) these bears out. I don't know if bear whistles are a thing. Uh, And here's where you see the baby moose. Um, and this leads to the mommy moose coming forward, uh, and the standoff, and then them being chased by it. Uh, of course, the older brother just wants to film the whole thing. JTT, there's a really bad effects here as he's running from the moose, and then the moose scoops yeah. him up in its antlers, <laughs> which is that looks... where it's like a, a dummy clearly attached to a moose? Yeah, it, it looks bad. <laughs> and I think the reason that these things stand up more like. I expect in a movie like Camp Nowhere, these other like Angels in the Outfield, these these kid adventure movies, you expect some of these cheesy effects, but because we're seeing this real nature photography mixed in with it, like it just looks even worse than it should. Uh, the, the moose eventually it leads to the river. JTT's stuck in the rapids of the river. Um, they're still filming this, of course, uh, while they're trying to save him. And how does he get out of there? Um, here we get some of the worst editing in the movie where they're looking at this guy scooping him out, and it's like, Bigfoot? And then it just immediately cuts. Like, we don't even see the rescue. We see this guy putting his stick in Bigfoot or whatever, sticking his stick into the river, and then it just cuts, and the whole rescue's over. It, it's just, it, it looks really, it, it honestly felt to me like, 
you know, somebody was record recording this movie and they accidentally hit the pause button and they never went back to complete the shot. Um, <laughs> and of course, who's playing Bigfoot but Danny Glover <laughs> of Lethal Weapon fame? <laughs> and why is Danny Glover in this movie? I don't understand. Because <laughs> he gives this crazy speech. They're talking about we're not scared. It's like, uh, if you're not scared, then you're stupid, boy. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then they're saying, like, we're going to sell our footage on TV. I ain't got no TV. <laughs> and then they look around and Danny Glover has disappeared into thin air. This is that like... Is, that is legitimately a future telling of his career. Yeah, <laughs> Danny Glover suddenly gone. This was the last we saw of Danny Glover. everywhere. Yeah, for, for 21 Danny years, Danny Glover disappeared because Jonathan Taylor Thomas's brothers <laughs> made him disappear. Um, I don't understand this Dunny Glover scene at all, other than just we gotta throw some star power in here. Some type of fun scene showing the crazy things you could see out in the wilderness. Whether they're not filming Danny Glover disappearing, that would have been great to throw in later on. Um, we'll kind of stop it there. Some of the best stuff in this section of the movie, obviously the um, Devil's Playground stuff. Uh, even even the, the river sequence is cool. But then you got all this bad stuff like this crazy Louisiana masturbator. And then Bigfoot Danny Glover, like, at this point, I was starting to see maybe what Rossi's point was. Rossi, um, here's your chance. I'm not going to fight you on this. Um, some of the issues that, like, come up here is just, like, uh, there's there's some bad acting that comes along, too. Uh, like, when the guy, like, the crazy guy, like, stab, like, takes the knife and jams it into his leg. And, and yet doesn't go, like, oh! Yeah. And the kids show no reaction. Like, they, like, slightly look shocked. Yeah. But if I was a kid and I saw that, I'd be screaming. <laughs> like, just, like, the general reaction that they should be having, like, wasn't there. So stuff like that was weird. Obviously, the impracticality of them not being able to shoot in low light with a flashlight, stuff like that. <laughs> I thought the alligator didn't look as bad as you said like i thought that that was one of the better ones considering we're about to get to the moose later on <laughs> <laughs> but i thought that the sequence was cool um character moments the idiot throws the whole bag like crazy uh but i thought the sequence was fun and then obviously yeah the weird scene that you reference where the guy tries to tell him where to go for the bears that was just weird uncomfortable and then it like immediately cuts in there in the car driving again. Just some weird cuts going on too here. Uh, where did they? What's the? What was the? The hippies. Oh, the wolf. Yeah. Oh well, uh, just the the sequence when they're trying, they're like capturing the camera of the the wolf and mm-hmm. the the deer and stuff like that. I must have completely missed that this was like some zone for military or something. Because I, I was shocked that they were just, like, bombing all over the place. <laughs> and these kids are trying to, like, Scooby-Doo run away from it all. Scooby-Doo run? <laughs> like, I felt we like... We got away from it, see? It wasn't for the damn meddling U.S. military. <laughs> like, I felt like Dukes of Hazard music was about to start or something. It was, like... <laughs> it just got... It was really... Une- I didn't expect it. That's why I was, like, really shocked by it. And then, obviously, like, there are some really bad effects when they jump out of safety from the, the bomb blast and, like, rocks are flying at them, but they're not actually there oh. when you cut back and stuff like that. And it slows down. The footage in the background actually slows down if you watch it, like, that green screen. It's really bad. 
and the dust doesn't look real and all of a sudden they're just covered in black soot and everything it's just bad uh, but the one thing I cannot for the life of me figure out was Leona there or was that fake I don't know <laughs> Because, I mean, we don't really see Leona again. Did she follow them there? Like, th- this, is one, this is one of those things, like with the Hawaii money. They drop things into this movie that, I mean, any filmmaker with half a brain would be like, okay, let's follow up on this. That would have been a good opportunity to maybe make that some type of story arc. Is Leona following them the whole time? But, but isn't it implied it's kind of because every time sort of he thinks he sees Leona, isn't that sort of around his dreamy kind of sequence? Like whether it is not her or not, it kind of leads him to the cave. And then later on, kind mm. of like when he sees her, it's like when he is in the plane. So I think like it's one of those ones where it's like they leave it open ended because it's either it could be real or it's just his imagination because it's led deep. into moving the story. I know, right? That's very like, deep. Who knew that Wild America was that deep? <laughs> It's just stuff like this that I was like, oh, it was like, oh, maybe it's like um, indigenous or like tribal in some way where he's like seeing this animal he has this strong connection with. Like, that's what I thought, like, was the whole thing about the lion earlier. Like the older brother was seeing something like that was leading him to to figure it out. Like, but it's just this is the end of that sort of sequence, because when he comes home, Leon is gone and they never have this sort of like spiritual moment ever again so just like they just dropped this whole like sort of dreamer vibe to it it just it it just felt very weird and like i never knew what to think about like what he was seeing was true or not like at first i was like are the bears actually real are they just like seeing it or something like i just didn't know what was real from their perspective anymore is danny glover real (laughs) well he was and then all of a sudden he disappears in thin air (laughs) Like he like that. I thought that was another one of those things where they like introduce this sort of element. Like because when uh, the guy with the camera comes up to like talk to them, like I got great shots. Like he doesn't even acknowledge that there's a man, like a tall man standing right next to him. He just is like like completely into like talking to his brothers about the footage, and he doesn't notice a huge human right there. Like mm. that's why I'm like that must be fake too because he he disappears in thin air. It's just like weird stuff that I like thought they were going in one direction, but they're like not really. It's like an actual guy, but now he's gone. Like it, it just, just doesn't add up some stuff. And he doesn't actually help. Like if the what Ben was saying about Leona being true, like this random guy just pulls JTT out of the river and is like this guiding message, but he doesn't do anything. <laughs> like they don't learn anything because he just laughs at them because he doesn't have a TV. Like you know he. <laughs> And also, he tries to discourage them from going after this bear cave. Like, if the dad's a, a terrible person, so is Danny Glover here. Like, he's not encouraging them to pursue their dreams. Well, Go I back mean, to your they carburetors. Are a, they are going after a pretty deadly... Like, I think the most part, people are telling him not to go into this cave because it's filled with, like, bears and rattlesnakes and bats. Um, but, oh, my. <laughs> safety first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you finished, Rossi? Um, yeah, the moose. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> and like, we're supposed to really believe that somehow this moose had the coordination to dip its head down to scoop up a child <laughs> while running away from it. Like, 
Well, he's a very <laughs> small a child, to be fair. Yes, it is JTT, a small <laughs> child, but, like, there's no way Moose wouldn't get, like, stuck or, like, run over this child, like, and obviously the effects of it were a little funky. I thought the sequence was fu- funny, like, JTT was like, they were gonna make me go out and, like, be the bait anyway, so let me at least, like, play the situation for good and, like, he got the book out of it that he hated so much, like, that they were reading throughout the time. So, like, I liked that, and I thought that was a fun... It was cool to see the moose, but, like, the effects of it were... Ooh. Okay. Um, I love the gator guy masturbator, man. <laughs> His t-shirt says skin first, so that kind of oh! makes actual sense. Are you um, sure the word four oh, wasn't in front of that? <laughs> Could be circumcised. Um, the, also, the the peeing scene. Um, like, I love that they're so inept at these filmmakers that they've seen like this eagle, and they're all like, "This is dramaticness of like, oh no, they're going to miss an eagle." Um, and then it's kind of like, what's that? Are we trying to imply that they're pretty shit filmmakers? I don't know. Like, um, I I I do really like the Louisiana masturbator though. Like, I don't know. What? It's a quirky man. Like. Oh, Phil, he want to get some gator skin boots. He got himself a whole gator skin suit. <laughs> but, like, why do these kids believe that? Okay, if this is legitimately Phil, they, they need to call the authorities. Like, there's yeah, exactly. a dead body hanging from this guy's <laughs> wall. <laughs> and how, like, as a taxidermy man, can, can you taxidermy a human? Like, does that work? <laughs> Norman Bates works. did it. Okay, well, you got Norman Bates on the payroll there, clearly, at <laughs> Alligator Hell or whatever the place is called. Uh, <laughs> the the bit, the hippie bit's great, like, let's be honest. Um, but can I, when they've gone ahead and, and done this scene, what's what's the director called, Mr. Angels in the Outfield Man? William um, Deer. William Deer. William Deer. I like Angels in the Outfield. It's kind of like the baseball version of the Mighty Ducks, but not as good. Um... They should have had angels in the uh, goalie net or something like that. Because they did angels in the end zone, didn't they? That was the sequel, yeah, right? Yeah, it was uh, infield, end zone, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, when he's directing this sequence, if you look in the background of, like, this hippie little get-together, wherever they are, like, just look at the, like, about three or four random girls, just like, I swear they've just gone to these extras. Okay, you're a 60s hippie. What do you think they would do? And they're literally just rolling around with their arms flailing around, going, like, like legitimately. Like, one of them is probably like, I don't know, Jennifer Garner or somebody who like wasn't famous yet and is all really famous. And what was your first acting role? Uh, Random hippie girl flailing her arms in the background of Wild America. Just like, imagine that's your big break. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm also trying to work out the geography of their road trip. So they're in Arkansas. They've gone to Louisiana. Now, there's ocean in Louisiana. I get that. But then they end up in, um, uh, 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 why have I gone blank on the name of the state? Arizona. Um, and then there's somewhere with snow. So I'm guessing, are they in, like, Mount- Utah or Colorado, Colorado or something probably, like that? Yeah. And they've got, like, a two-week, like, and how do they pay for fuel? I mean, and their truck's pretty riggedy. Hawaii money. <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii was very expensive in the 60s. It had just become a state. So, you know, they had to, to pay off its debts, basically. Um, 
Yeah, no, JTT filming the nudity. Like, let's be honest, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I also love when they're in the car and all of a sudden Mark's just like, we could have gone with them. There's plenty of animals in New York. Mark's <laughs> just, like, just all like, not the type we're filming. And then he's just like, speak for yourself. And then he just gives it up. Okay. <laughs> it would be great Fair if he enough. ended up by going, oh! <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, this whole military-based thing. Now, why are they fighting for shade a metre away from the rock? Like, if you actually look at that rock, the whole base of it is under shade. There's tons of space with shade, and yet they've chosen the line of shade on which they can't do it, and they're fighting for it. And why are they laying back-to-back like that? I don't understand the legitimacy behind that. Um, What sort of US military base has deers and wolves and, and what are they, Mustangs running around. Uh, like, was the well, US military just gung-ho in the 60s and they just like to kill wild animals? I don't think it's like a military base. I think this is, you know, like uh, a, a huge plot of land they use for bombing runs or like the, the type of things that they'd buy up land, you know, in some state in the middle of nowhere so they could, you know, uh, practice detonating A-bombs and stuff. I think that's what this is supposed to be. Well, why do they not hear these planes? Because they're, they're freaking fighter jets as well. Like, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced a fighter jet in our lifetime, like at a show or something like that. You hear them a mile away. Like, you can't miss them. And also, like, going on to the uh, editing, when you see, when they're looking through the binoculars and you see this wolf approaching them, like, there's just something about the editing that you could have cut it, like, half a second beforehand, because you actually watch it just as they cut away. The wolf actually, like, looks up like it's startled. Like, obviously, the camera person has, has startled them. Like, if you edit that tiny little bit out, it just looks stupid because this wolf is all of a sudden just noticing it's being watched, and yet the next shot, it's running towards the deer. So it just Mm. just makes no sense. You talk about the excitement of seeing a deer. Um, I think I've told you the story when I was in uh, BC last year at Mallory's mum's house, and there were deer in the backyard, and I was like, lost my shit. I'm like, oh my god, there's deer in the backyard, this is awesome! <laughs> and they're like, so what, they're deer, Ben? Like, what the fuck's the big deal? And so, like, I've gone in the backyard, I want to go close to a deer! And then all of a sudden, like, the daddy deer with the horns came in, like, oh, Ben, don't go near that, it's going to hurt you. <laughs> and then it scooped you up in its antlers and rode you down <laughs> to the river. <laughs> but, like, every time I see a deer, like, when I'm in, you know, the US or Canada, I get excited. And, like, mm. everyone's just like, Ben, it's just a deer, who gives a shit? Like, this is if you guys came to Australia and you're going to see a kangaroo, you're like, oh my god, it's a kangaroo! Like, yeah, well, that's fair. So the, but, I mean, we know that we know that deer is something these kids see all the time because that's the first thing they film. Are, are deer prevalent in Arkansas? Like, do they, are they in every state? <laughs> like, I mean, they, they, um, they really are here, though, because, I mean, you could, there's certain areas of Winnipeg where you could be in the middle of a residential area and there's deer in the backyard. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the area that I work in, it's one of the busiest routes in the city. And yet, because there is kind of a nature preserve behind it, often I will be driving to work and a deer will be crossing our parking lot. You know, I, I when I go running, I, if I run through a park, I see deer. I mean, the area I'm in now is great because there's wild turkeys everywhere. I mean, just the other day I came home from work and I'm looking like, what's that on the other side of our fence in our front yard? And it was a turkey that was trying to squeeze through our fence. So I guess, yeah, fair what you say that different areas, some things are going to be common. But we already know that deer is something they have seen many times. Where, where I lived in Hobart for the last few years, it was um, 
it was kind of like just right on a highway, but like at the top of the street, there was sort of like bush area. So you get kangaroos. So like you go to the top, you see a lot of them. But I remember one time driving home, like turning off on the highway and this bloody kangaroo like jumps right in front of me. Like I've never seen one down this far before. Like it had gone all the way down the street to the highway. Mm. Uh, and one thing I'll say about New Zealand, no animals here. They're just bloody birds. Like, ooh, ooh like great. Like, like you don't see anything here. It's boring. Like Australia, hobbits. everywhere you drive, there's an animal. And there's a dead animal. Hobbits. <laughs> Peter Jackson. Um, <laughs> wild Russell Crows flaunting the streets. Um, anyway, the, yeah, and like when that boulder blows up, like that's a pretty bloody big boulder. They should be dead with debris. Like, they yeah, be like crushed. And as I said before, there's just that scene when they, like, jump down and the dust behind them, like, as Rossi said, looks really bad. And if you actually watch it, it literally, like, turns slow motion by the end of it. And it's like, what the hell just happened there? Um, yeah, Born to be Wild's a bit... Yep, cool. And, um, yeah, like... And also, I don't get the moose scene because all of a sudden, like, these are avid animal lovers who, as you said, love deer... And then the first time, they're like, get, me, get a shot of me with the baby deer. Now, I get excited when I see deer in the backyard of a Canadian household. I at least know that that is not a bloody deer. Like, I'm looking at that going, uh, that's not a deer. That's probably a moose. Looks mm. nothing like a deer. And then I love it when all of a sudden they're like, oh, moose are dangerous, right? And then we get this giant moose running towards them. Because, you know, five seconds ago, they're like, oh, my God, they're dangerous. Poor little, you know, JTT's in trouble. And then all of a sudden they start playing like the Benny Hill theme. And he's like riding on the moose. And again, you've got this terrible, like, dummy on top of the moose as he runs. And then... Like, is this the most intelligent moose in the world? Because it's all like, dun, 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 dun. And he's like, oh, I'm going to drop him in the river. And, like, he just starts swimming in wild rapids and then, like, lets him go before the music starts turning dramatic. And then the most pointless appearance of an actor in any movie in the history of movies. Um, I love this movie. And for some reason, I'm going all Rossi here and bagging it out. But, like, I, I remember when this scene came about, because, again, it's been about 10 years since I've seen this. And the whole time when this Bigfoot character, I'm like, this is a pretty famous actor, isn't it? Like, there's just a random famous actor cameo here. Um, and then, sure enough, he's Danny Glover, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> and then we just get this... I mean, I do admit, I think I do laugh when it's like, our movies are going to be on TV. I ain't got no TV. <laughs> like, I just love the way he says that. But then it's like, ah! <laughs> and just disappears. Uh, again, that is an exact replica of Danny Glover's career in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, we should say Lethal Weapon 4 did come out after this movie, so he had at least one more hit in him. He was um, in 2012. He was the president that's right. in 2012. <laughs> yep. Where, um, what else has he done? Like, I swear he's just gone. Um, I mean, well, he's waiting on Lethal Weapon 5. <laughs> he's 73. Wow. He's still geez. doing better than Mel Gibson is. Let's give him that. <laughs> True. Very true. Kept his mouth shut when pulled over by the police. Good job, Danny. We can pretty much wrap up. Oh, he's going to be in the new Jumanji. Hang on a minute. There we go. He's going to be playing Bigfoot. (laughs) Probably. Uh, So we can pretty much wrap up the last bit of the movie here. So after this, they're calling their mom. Uh, JTT's on the phone, you know, begging to stay. And she's like, okay, you know, just be safe. And he goes, I know, safety first. And you see his fingers crossed. Uh, this is where it leads him into the mountains. Uh, and this is the first time where I realized JTT brought no luggage ar- lo- uh, along with him because his brothers are 
dressed for the cold. And I'm looking at this before they even get to the house, thinking like, man, he's going to freeze to death out there. Uh, of course, they find a, um, a house uh, where obviously the chimney's running. So like, well, somebody's there. They see this lady poking through the window. Uh, who is it? It's Scarface. Um, <laughs> poor lady survived a bear attack, eventually lets them in. She tells the story about how her husband was eaten alive by a bear. And then I don't know if this was meant My to Judd. be. A... Poor Judd. Oh. Uh, but no, as she's no, describing. My Judd. My Judd. <laughs> um, I don't know why she sounds like the, the gator guy. My Judd. Oh. <laughs> but um, Scarface here describing her husband's uh, bear attack. And Mark is just eating a sandwich, which I don't know if that was meant to be a joke or if it's just like, you know, Mark, this thing doesn't bother him. It was just kind of a weird little thing. She gives JTT a jacket because we have to remind the audience that he's not prepared for this. Uh, they come back and they realize their whole vehicle's been robbed. Uh, but whoa, what about the camera? It's like, well, forget about the camera. What are we going to do? We got no food. We got no money. We got uh, nothing to sleep with. Um, and the camera survives and they're starting debating, well, what are we going to do? Uh, we'll ask mom to send money. And this is the one other mention, I guess, where they allude to the Hawaii money um, because they say mom doesn't have money to send us, obviously meaning this is the Hawaii money they're living off of. And it's like, dad can just give us the money. It's like, yeah, sure. Maybe dad's going to fly it over and drop the money. Yeah, maybe he could. And this is where it comes out as they're, they don't want to break it to their little brother. Their dad has never flown before. Um, leads to a fight between Marty and Mark, the two oldest brothers, which is like, Another one of those moments where there's just such bad editing where I wonder, like, was something just cut and they didn't bother to get, you know, the proper footage? Because this fight scene where they roll down the hill lasts for all of five seconds. Then you get Mark breaking his leg and you get, I'm sorry, Mark. And then it just immediately cuts. Like, there's not a moment, oh, Mark, I'm so sorry. Okay, I'll help you. Like, you need at least five seconds before cutting to the doctor's office. And the doctor's already done with him. It's just, it moves so quickly. You can't even process what's going on here. You have the most dramatic moment in the movie where the, the, the three heroes are basically losing it with each other. You know, they can't get along anymore. This fight scene's over, you know, before you can blink. And then they're just in the doctor's office getting better. And okay, fine. It's all over and done with. Um, so they eventually decide, okay, fine. It's gone too far. We need to leave now. Um, they are driving past. And JTT sees old lady Scarface at the grave. He's like, I got an idea. It's like her husband was eaten by the bear. She's delivering flowers to him in his place. How he knows she's going to go to the place where he died, I have no idea. They just come to this, so they follow her, which, again, I don't even think this movie has proper footage that they're following her. They just seem to suddenly be wandering through the wilderness and find a cave. I don't see the lady there. Did, did I miss something? Did either of you actually see them follow the lady after she was at the grave? Uh, you see her there? No, I don't think you see her afterwards. Yeah, it's weird. Um, they say we can they follow, follow the her to the... Foot, footprints. That's, Maybe that's what they do then. But again, that's not it's not clear enough in the movie. Like, there's some real filmmaking flaws here uh, in what's otherwise a good story. Uh, they get into the cave, and of course, like, who farted? And then, of course, the cave did, because the cave is giving off some weird smell. Uh, they come across a bunch of snakes. How are they going to get away from these rattlesnakes, which are jumping up all over the place? They're actually getting footage, sort of. Uh, so they're like, snakes are afraid of the cold, or, or they're, they're drawn to heat, I guess. So they start shoveling snow in there, covering the snakes with snow. 
they walk across this little snow bridge they that has snakes poking out of it and they eventually find the bear cave now i think this movie could have oh there is the cool shot where the snake pops up <laughs> between jonathan Taylor thomas's legs and he screams uh, but I think they could have had more of a buildup to this bear cave. They just sort of walk and said, look, it's bears everywhere. Like I would have rather they come across one bear and then maybe they just slowly reveal another bear and another bear. Um, I don't think this really looks that spectacular. I mean, yeah, there's maybe like six or seven bears in here, maybe a dozen tops, but the way they built this up, like it's something you've never seen before. This is what I imagine, you know, a bear and his family does during the winter i mean this this it doesn't quite live up to the hype of how incredible this is but still we have some real bear footage here which is cool they're getting the footage all over the place yeah there's some good stuff in here this it's not all bad meaning suits (laughs) there is some bad i'll admit that but i think that with all these sequences they obviously filmed some real wildlife and then they had some cheesy effects to get what they needed um the bears are starting to stir, so what do they do? They sing it a lullaby, and Ben, I'm going to allow you to take this lullaby away. Go for it. Sitting on a good old mountain, do... That's it. They sing... I don't know what that song is. The Mountain Dew jingle, and then all three of them lift their legs and fart in unison, which is another one of these really bad juvenile humor things that don't work and this somehow is a lullaby that puts the bears back to sleep it's just so strange um eventually as they're getting ready to leave bats break into the cave why because that's what bats do i think the bat sequence looks kind of cool uh even though it is clearly effects uh it's it's like a good exciting moment here they all get separated and jtt of course says you know i'm little i can find a way out (laughs) leave me and they okay (laughs) just run out of the cave uh the camera got stuck on a bear claw at some point um and jtt gets cornered <laughs> the really bad guy in the bear suit bear effect is chasing through this little tunnel he kicks his way out of the ice um they eventually get out of there and we cut to jonathan Taylor thomas driving the car i always love seeing kids driving cars because it looks so stupid like in dante's peak <laughs> and as he's driving Aww. he's imagining this car is flying, and he's following Leona, and we get a nice little cheesy effect shot of him flying a car, uh, only for him to snap out of it when he realizes he's about to crash their car. So now the car's totaled. How are they going to get home? Now they need to call their dad. The dad tows them home. Um, he's very upset with them. Uh, he thinks it's all a wasted trip, and JTT, of course, calls him out and says, Dad, did you ever fly? And This I actually really do like this little subplot of the dad flying because i think this is what makes the dad make a bit more sense that he you know he doesn't want his sons to necessarily pursue their dream he has his own dream but because he's afraid of his own dream because i guess that's the thing is that he's afraid to fly you know he's i I can never actually accomplish this i don't want them to get their hopes up and then reach a point where they realize they're too afraid to do it or something like that especially since it is danger that they're going after here kind of just ends the conversation uh the mom rents out the gym for them to uh, eventually show their footage. Like, well, we didn't get enough footage. It's like, well, let's just – you'll get the footage, take a look at it, and if you don't want to do it, then call it off. Here we get more really bad editing as we're seeing what I think is supposed to be the dad driving the truck. In about five seconds, he's driving a truck. The truck gets in an accident, and then that's just it. He's in the hospital. Um 
I don't know why they have so many of these dramatic moments that they don't even give 60 seconds to. It's like 10, 15 seconds, and that's it. And it's just awkward cutting back and forth. Um, there is the nice scene here with JT2 using reverse psychology because the other other brothers are discouraged and he's like you know look at this we're cleaning carburetors this is the life hey guys and he's like oh it's not like your footage was any good i mean that wolf was totally out of focus it was in focus like, yeah but the uh the moose was out of focus no that was in focus too and it's just using this reverse psychology to pump them up i really like that um this is where i think this movie does well building up a bit of a heroic story um he wakes up in the morning because he thinks he hears leona uh he's like you know i don't know if it was leona or not but i knew what i had to do and he basically starts the airplane and jtt uh, after crashing a car decides to fly an airplane how he knows how to fly i don't know but it is a cool scene again with some bad effects but some of the actual aerial footage where it's not like john Taylor thomas with a green screen is cool and of course leon jumping in there with him and freaking out uh, when the family realizes this is what he's doing, they're chasing after him. I love when they're they're you know driving. They John Taylor Thomas has lost the pedals because they even established earlier in the movie he's not tall enough to reach the pedals, and Leon just has to keep it still. And they're like, I don't see him there. I think he jumped. I'm like, that was a cool little trick that the pan- family panicking because they don't see him, and then they realize no, they're laughing. It's like, well, you know, Marshall's laughing, but Leon's crying or something like that. Um, he successfully lands the plane. The mother first like what do you think your father would say about this he goes you know i think that he would ask me how does she handle and of course (laughs) this goes to them visiting me in the hospital he goes in there the brothers think that he's going to get it and i really love this moment this is probably the one time where jonathan taylor thomas really gets a good you know dialogue scene and and he's giving the speech about you know uh let us do what we want to do and he's basically giving the pep talk to the dad here and then the dad ends with saying well how did she handle <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of a cool little call back there uh we have the screening of their movie um we get to see the footage which one thing that does bother me and i'm sure we'll talk about this at some point very soon when we talk about the james bond movies but like you only live twice when there's footage of a space shuttle being swallowed where there's clearly not even possible for there to be a camera. A lot of their footage is like the camera on the back of the moose's head because it's right up close with the antlers. Like there, It is not possible they could have gotten that shot. And other things like when the alligator's attacking them and he's clearly not even holding the camera. And apparently they got footage of the, the, the alligator's mouth with the flashlight inside. But still, everybody's freaking out. I also like that they said, you know, some people liked it, some people loved it, some people couldn't have cared less, and they're falling asleep. Some didn't like it at all, and they're showing DC heckling. Um, and then we get the trope of all '90s movies about people following their dreams, where it all ends and it's just silence in the theater, and then you hear the one person slowly clapping. <laughs> And everybody joins in. Yay! <laughs> of course, it's their dad who came to clap, which was uh, so nice. Uh, but that's always just... It's so overdone in movies that it's always... Every time that happens, I just groan and roll my eyes. Uh, they're all celebrating. DC is mocking the movie. I want my money back. And the dad's like, I think you saw a pretty good show, but here you go. And he hands him a dollar. Uh, the girls are impressed, uh, not with DC, but with the brothers. So these college girls are now all over teenage boys. <laughs> Uh, and JTT gets his action too because all the 14 year old girls who want to see him take his shirt off we love you JTT we love you give us your autograph and they're all over him 
Uh, and they're saying, like, yeah, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll sell this to TV and we'll get somebody famous like Robert Redford to narrate it. Closing with what actually happened to the brothers, that Marty did go off and made this uh, PBS documentary narrated by Robert Redford. Uh, that Mark ended up helping with it. And, of course, Marshall gets almost nothing in there at all. But the parents eventually went to Hawaii uh, as the dad looked for scrap metal on the beach. Uh, I, I really like the sentimental, heroic ending with the plane flying, as implausible as it is. And despite the slow clapping, I, I think that the, the screening's fun. And I, I like that it's realistic, too, that, like, the bully, he's still going to be the bully. Like, he's like, I, I don't care about this. And that they... Even one of their way to show it's like, yeah, this isn't for everybody, but some people enjoyed it. And obviously their true story, you know, is very different from this, which I'll talk a little bit about in the end. It, it took almost 10 years before he got anything on TV, but they don't present this as, you know, oh, and his career was made and an executive from PBS was there. And he's like, I'm going <laughs> to sign you to a 10 year multi-million dollar deal. It's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll go off and maybe we'll get some more footage and we'll try to finish this. Rossi, you got to like some of this, right? Uh, sure. Uh, where, where did you start? This is a long segment. Where did you start? The the winter stuff, the bear, or the bear Scarface lady. Oh. Yeah, that was weird. Like, the whole, like, that they have to leave their car and then go to this woman's house. She gives them nothing but a coat that was her husband's. What was his name again? Judd. My Judd. Judd. <laughs> Her I like his guts coat. are probably he's probably got his blood and guts all over that jacket still. Judd. And then he like after they have their big fight, which like you like we're saying what I thought, like it was the worst cut thing, like his foot looks like it bent backwards. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's in this like random like makeshift like like hospital i don't even want to call it like in that they like have to take care of it for him and then they're all ready to leave and then like 20 people come from the back room yeah. and say please <laughs> stay tonight like what? you're bunk here tonight the like family of 25 are gonna take more in like it was just so weird that woman needs birth control jesus christ <laughs> They need someone to run the inn after he dies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that was, I don't even know why they were like fighting in the first place because they said that dad never flew the plane. Like, what? It just seemed like really ran, like forced fight. Like, they were not actually that mad at each other, but they did it anyway and stuff. And then JTT's got to be the smart one. And remember, hey, today's the day that she's going to go see the his dead body and that was weird and then the bears were so bad like and yes the only way they'll ever get past the snakes is to put snow on it it's just like stupid stuff like that and the farting like the jokes like were so bad (laughs) and then the song like the Mountain Dew song was so stupid (laughs) I'll give you that and then the the group fart like like these are like things that you would put in like a intentionally bad movie like this is supposed to be like a good movie like just cut it out like that could they could have sung like an impactful song of their childhood that they teased earlier in the movie and then sung it in Ooh. the cave like kind of like, they could have made that a big deal but they chose what if they to have sing been a like, song. no they would get your motor running head out of the highway <laughs> oh say can you see <laughs> 
Canada. I'm gonna wake up. Yes, oh, shut up. <laughs> Sorry, Rossi. <laughs> it was just dumb. And then all of a sudden, bats are in the cave, apparently. Like, they were there for a long time. The bats show up, and then it's leaking green ooze from the ceiling. And then the bears wake up because they scream at the bats. And JTT, being the hero of the movie, has got to sacrifice himself to get the camera and and save his brothers, and he manages to crawl out of this hole covered with ice, and somehow the bear is, like, taking down huge chunks of cave, like, rocks are falling everywhere, and then the bear is getting in this tight hole that JTT barely fits in, like, and then the bear claw comes out and, like, knocks him down the hill, (laughs) like, just some stupid effects and stupid stuff that I'm like, like it takes the enjoyment out of watching this like intense action sequence because it's so like poorly done. Like I don't even think by the movie's like release date, like those would have been good. Like it would have still looked weird. Uh, and then I liked some of the stuff when they came home. Actually, like I really liked when the mother was like, "If you don't have the footage, you don't have the footage. If not, we'll just play basketball in the gym." Like I love the stuff like that, and I thought that was fun. And then the whole sequence where they were like um uh, what was that the flying <laughs> no oh i was gonna say the 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 that car accident which was like three <laughs> short seconds dad's mad dad's on the, the road dad's in the hospital it was just like <laughs> cut 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 like it was not con- like told well at all and all of a sudden he's mm-hmm. in the hospital and it's just like they're like trying to get the end of this movie done like they're just gonna save on the budget and get the short scenes done like just like some of these like awful scenes like and then the car flying like what was that like I was literally thinking like if this car starts flying I'm gonna wa- stop watching the movie <laughs> the flying, I was tempted to stop watching the movie but uh and it was just bad. Like, just some weird stuff going on. Like, obviously, like like you said, the father's now going to be a really nice guy and come and clap at the movie. Like, and the whole him flying the plane was so, like, ridiculous. And Leona shows up, but not really. We don't know if she's there. <laughs> and that's, like, what he's supposed to know to do. It's just really bad. It, like, I will say there were some fun lines, like you were saying, with the the flying of the plane, like, I think he's no, he's not there. But the other one's crying, and then no, yeah. he's laughing. Like like stuff like that was funny. And the mother's like, he's not in there, and freaking out that like her son is out of the. It's like he must have fallen out. Like just stuff like that was fun, but like ridiculous. And like the he manages to fly just past his father's ho- like room in the hospital, like just has the perfect view to know. And it's just bad. And the emotional scene wasn't that intense because. Like, I think JTT did the best acting in that moment, but, like, it was just, like, a weird sequence where he's, like, how to handle, and, like, if, like, you say the father is supporting his sons the whole time but being real, and then this one time where it's, like, can't we just show the movie? And he's, like, I don't know. That's a really bad idea. What about the future? And all that. It just, that was, like, the, like, worst part of it because he was, like, 
like you said, if he's real, like this would be the easiest decision because it's the least impacted of the business. Uh, and then what was the last thing that I? The well, just the... oh. The one thing that drove me crazy when they were doing the like repair work at the shop mm-hmm. and like they're like, oh, this sucks. Dad doesn't want us to do this. And like, we can't do the film. It's so bad. And the mother is just like, you don't think it's easy for me. She throws the parts down and runs <laughs> off <laughs> like the most unjustified, like storm off of the movie. Like she just gets so mad out of her nothing. And then she can't go to Hawaii. That's not nothing. She keeps the money. <laughs> she never gave the money away. Well, when does it say she kept it? Well, when did she say they gave it away? Well, I, I think that's implied when they say, oh, mom can send us money. It says mom's got no money to send. Yeah, but she, we they, we never get to confirm that she sent the money. Well, we, we don't get it not confirmed. Yeah, but she goes away to Hawaii, so I'm assuming she doesn't give them the money because she's gone she went away on her trip after everything Rossi, ended you have no imagination i do i imagine that she saved the money and went to hawaii <laughs> well that's too practical that doesn't help them follow their dreams no but it follows the practicality of the father wanting to save money and <laughs> keep the business running so the only person who encourages them is leona yes and we danny have Glover. Not even Danny Glover. He's like, I don't own a TV. <laughs> and the college. I wanted him to show up. I wanted him to show up at this gridded. I got myself a TV. Yeah. <laughs> if he was the one who started the slow clap, that would have been even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then <it> disappears. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so what's funny is that there's really talk or no, yeah, go ahead. Wow, I'm really forgotten about quickly, aren't I? Um, I the the when they drive past those three guys who ultimately rob them, they are actually the three Stouffer brothers. Did you know that? Oh, really? Really? There's a cameo for you. Um. The, the real childish bit that I don't like is when they're on the phone saying like, oh, you know, we want to keep him for a couple of weeks. And then you've got like JTT going, yes, safety first. That's our motto. And he's got like his fingers crossed behind mm-hmm. his back. Like that's dumb. Um, yeah, old Scarface lady and her Judd. Um, <laughs> to kind of say that photo that like JTT is just staring at it. it just looks like the cover of one of those cheesy 90s romance covers like I, I think this woman's crazy she never really had a jerd she just like got the cover of a 90s romance novel put her photo on one I, I realize this is the 60s so it must have been a 60s romance novel but like it's like it's just that photo looks too um unrealistic to be uh that or um, she's a taxidermist and Judd is stuffed on the wall somewhere in the back room <laughs> Also, when he breaks his leg, right, so we're in freaky too-many-babies woman's husband's place, and, like, you know, I love your country, Rossi. It's a great country, but I know your healthcare system isn't the best. Like, in what universe is small-town Utah doctor man just going to be like, oh, yeah, you can send me the money when you have it? Like, no. Like, this guy needs He's money. Like, 
you know what? You, I need a down payment. Give me the jackets. <laughs> and like, and we talk about, um, you know, this money. Like, where's all this money? I'm, I'm kind of siding with Colin here, sorry, Rossi, because like they've got to pay for a freaking broken leg doctor bill in downtown Utah somewhere mm-hmm. with woman who's got how many kids? I'm looking at the picture here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight children, all under the age of ten, by the looks of things. She's got a new porch she's holding. Um, they need the money. So, yeah. Like, that's been white to them. But the, the biggest, I think, mistake of this entire movie is Mark, or whoever it is, it's Mark, isn't it? Yeah, he's broken his leg. Within five seconds of getting crutches, he's running. He's running from the <laughs> cave. Like, <laughs> he doesn't even need these crutches five seconds later. For some reason, he can just run away from them. The the fact that they can cover these snakes with snow, and when they escape, the snow's gone. How is that even possible? <laughs> and also, the bears, <laughs> there's just one shot when they're all standing there, and there's a bear in the background. It is the worst effect of a bear or any animal I've ever seen in my entire life. It looks so fake. Um, and also, too, if bears hibernate, or animals hibernate in general... Can they just wake up with the sound of some... I thought, like, they fully get into a state where they're basically unconscious for three months. Like, that's what animals do, right? So how on earth do they just all wake up and then fall asleep when they're farting to Mountain Dew? And, <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've never... The one thing I will say, like, I get, like, it's a bit silly with the farting and that, but I, I do like the overall context of that, that, you know, earlier in the film when they're like, oh, we went to bed with the sound of Dad singing. And kind of like, you know, it's not just like they just randomly pulled a song out of their but, no pun intended, like that was mentioned earlier on. So I kind of like that bit of it. But at the end of the day, who can fart on cue? Like, all three of us, get ready. Let's fart on cue. Yeah. Um, only Ben, apparently. Only Ben, apparently. The whole I like the whole reveal that, you know, he never really flew. That's kind of, yeah, like it ties in what you were saying, Colin, sort of about the dream situation. The editing is terrible with the crash. It's just going, ah, boom. oh, he's in hospital. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, JTT flying, uh, I guess because his dad told him previously, like, flaps to the second notch and all that sort of stuff, that automatically means you can fly a plane. Again, coming from a man who never flew a plane, um, JTT is able to fly a plane. Imagine if this was, like, in modern-day America. Like, that plane would be shot down by the military. They think yeah. it's a terrorist threat, basically, flying that close. Um, I like Leon as well. <laughs> like, tell me when we landed. <laughs> it's like vomiting in the background. Um, and yeah, the clapping bit. Um, that that is kind of funny. I do like the text at the end though, when it's all like you know they were narr- narrated by Robert Redford. They went on to do this, do that. And Marshall recently completed a documentary about endangered snails. Uh, he's now <laughs> looking for bigger game. Good old Marshall. That's, again, the accurate career of JTT. He's probably producing snail documentaries. <laughs> um, so the true story, I mean, none of this really happened. There were three brothers. They did have the names Marty, Mark, and Marshall. Um, they did come from Arkansas. Uh, but what actually happened was that around, I guess, the same time period, Marty went off himself to Africa, or not Africa, Alaska, to 
film stuff just on his eight millimeter camera came back and showed it in his hometown and people went crazy for it so that kind of put the idea in his head i can sell this to tv so very different from this movie um all three brothers did eventually get involved in his documentary as well marty really is the successful one the title of the movie wild america comes from the pbs series that he did after the the predators miniseries they mentioned at the end that robert redford narrated and apparently wild america became like the highest rated show on PBS for like years upon years. Uh, and he did this for, you know, decades. Uh, and both brothers um, were involved in that. I think Mark was involved in producing it. And uh, the thing about the snails is actually kind of cheap because whatever you can find on Marshall, you realize he was a cameraman on these other documentaries. Maybe he did his first documentary on snails. Who knows? Uh, but all three brothers ended up doing this for a living. So there's some truth to the story still. Um plot keywords i'm gonna skip today because really it's like goose um (laughs) swamp filmmaking the brother brother conflict alligator there is one on here which is ducking stool i had no idea what this was i realized that's the name of strapping somebody to a chair and putting them over a tank of water uh so really there's only two or three things on here mostly tv episodes an episode of the avengers an episode of salem and wild america the most famous ducking stools month will not be a thing on the oz network sorry Damn it. uh for reviews i'm not going to read all the reviews too because we're going a little bit long here um but uh uh 27 on rotten tomatoes like which is just horrible but then you look at like audience response to this and it's got like a 6.3 on imdb so it, it's fairly well liked for what it is a huge difference between what audiences thought and critics I think everything that critics would poke at in this movie is fair. I just think that there's enough fun in it that it's acceptable. Um, box office, this was like beyond a bomb. I mean, it opened number nine at the box office um, and only ends up grossing $7.3 million in the long run. Comes out on the 4th of July weekend. So again, a busy weekend. Uh, other very successful movies that came out that weekend include Guantanamero, Guantan- Guantanamera, oh. um, which made $8,000 in three theaters. Wild America opened with $1.8 million. Uh, out to Sea made 5.8 million and a little movie called men in black open this weekend with 51 million dollars uh so obviously a lot of competition yeah it's uh, it died as quickly as jonathan taylor thomas or scott barristow's career um so (laughs) this movie (laughs) yeah uh wild america ends up ranking number 129 on the yearly rankings to put that into perspective Uh, last year, the 129th highest grossing film was The Wife with Glenn Close, which uh, was not Rob, really a Rob. huge movie. Um, <laughs> it would put it, if it was released last year, though, ahead of Hurricane Heist. So yeah. <laughs> there have been bigger bombs. And it made more money than Once Upon a Deadpool, uh, if this were last year. So put it in perspective, not exactly a big hit. Um what do we want to do with this movie? Buy it, rent it, or bin it. Um, I'll start off. I, I I like this movie when I originally saw it. I, I've always considered it to be like a fun movie. Rewatching it now, I think there are enough real flaws in the filmmaking and a clash of styles with some of the dumb comedy. I can't call this a buy, but I do think it's a rent. I think it's a fun movie, especially if you like that 90s style of kid adventure movies. And there is a lot of good stuff in here along with some bad stuff. But I don't think any of the bad stuff is unwatchable. It's just, well, that was kind of dumb. So overall, I think this is a solid rent. Rossi? 
uh, let Ben go. Oh, ben. always give me the option. Um, I'm buying this movie. This is just <laughs> look. Yeah, it's got flaws, and yeah, it's silly in places and that, but just nostalgia factor. And I mean, this is just a movie I can put on and watch and enjoy and just enjoy it. So. Yeah, I, I'm standing up for my childhood. I'm going to buy this movie. Rossi, you're buying it, aren't you? <laughs> um, I think I'm going to have to bin. Aww. And that's mainly, I probably would have rented it. Like, it would have been a low rent. But Ben had to go and buy it. So I feel like I have to <laughs> balance it out now. Because a buy is way too generous. So I'm going to have to bin it. Even though I I have a better impression of it after kind of talking through it and thinking about some of the scenes than when I initially watched it, but not enough to really love it. So we have a buy, a rent, and a bin. So the average rating is a rent for Wild America! <laughs> <laughs> well, we're never going to get it at bin level, so... No. Um, but I have Scott Besto on the line right now. Scott, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> no, no, it's not 12. It's all right. Oh, uh, so this was pretty much, I guess, on the end of Jonathan Taylor Thomas's movie career. Like He really did have a lot of movies over just a few short years. Uh, he'd really have one other major theatrical movie after this, which is I'll Be Home for Christmas. Um, granted, one year after this, he was leaving Home Improvement to go to college. And really only did very sporadic acting gigs after that. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week as we continue on with Jonathan Taylor Thomas month. Because I think we had settled on you know doing, obviously, a Home Improvement episode. A Last Man Standing episode because he did make his return on that and reunited with Tim Allen. And then I insist on doing a Smallville episode. Because he actually did two episodes of Smallville in two separate seasons. Uh, the first one he did from season two was absolutely fantastic, and he gets to play a villain, which is totally unlike him. Uh, Rossi, I'm going to give you the choice. What do you want to do next week? Home Improvement, Last Man Standing, or Smallville? Uh, let's end on a high, so let's go with Smallville next. All right, Smallville. So we're going to go to the latest, um, or I guess a post-Home Improvement performance of his, uh, and we get to see him as a villain, which is really fun. So I'm going to have to find the actual episode title here, but... Uh, just out of curiosity, have either of you seen the Smallville episode that he was in? I have, yeah. Rossi? Are you a fan of Smallville at all, Rossi? Never seen it. Home Improvement made number two on my all-time TV shows list, and Smallville Spoilers. made number three. Well, I'm sure they've listened to the episode by now. Oh, yours, okay. Uh, we're going to season two of Smallville, episode nine, Dichotic. Uh, so in this one, Jonathan Taylor Thomas gets to play a villain. He gets to play a womanizer. He gets to play everything that he's not in Wild America and other great movies. So excited for that next week. Live. Poor Jonathan Taylor Thomas. What's going to be fun is when we get to Last Man Standing. I mean, Last Man Standing, Tim Allen has brought on so many people involved in Home Improvement on that show. And he always makes them play like the opposite of what the original characters were. So we're going to get to see like capitalist Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, trying to, again, steal somebody's girl when we get to Last Man Standing. But I think we need to save the Home Improvement one for last because that's that's honestly just an absolutely brilliant episode. Uh, ben, you can feel free to join us on any of those episodes as well if you feel like it. Yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, you got third watch reunions <laughs> coming up. Which uh, can, When is the third watch reunion happening? 
Well, um, I'm, I'm in the midst of getting it all recorded and organized, uh, but we're going to set to air it on the 23rd, the actual date of the 20th uh, anniversary of the show premiering. But uh, we've got, we've got um, you know, I'm, it looks as though I've got at least four cast members uh, signed up, possibly five. So, uh, and these are all main cast members too. So, um, you know, a couple that you would even know, Colin. So, uh, yeah. Is they, Kim Reaver one of too. them? Sadly not. Um, oh. But uh, we might have somebody who was in um, uh, Aquaman earlier this year. So, you know, Ooh, stay tuned for exciting. that. Yep. Um, I actually do think that's kind of cool. Because is this going to be something, just to give people a tease, is this going to be a series of interviews all edited together? Or are you actually getting a reunion of these people on the line at the same time? Eh, we're hoping that there will be at least one form of mini reunion. So uh, that would be one where like, we'll have at least four or five on at once uh, because kind of, I guess, uh, two, of the, two of the main people are married uh, and then they're still friends with the likes of uh, Michael Beach and a couple of the others. So from what I've gathered, I mean, look, I've interviewed a lot of these people we're getting back on and uh, separate interviews in the past, but um, it's just a matter of getting it all together at once. And if we can't get them all at once, then uh, we're hoping to do just a couple of little mini snippets and combine it into one big celebratory episode. So um, you've got about... Uh, three weeks, Colin and Rossi, to watch uh, 132 <laughs> episodes of Third Watch to understand what it is. So good luck. I, I, I just want to say I actually think it's really cool that you're able to do that because this, this was number one on your favorite shows list. And uh, you've spent how many years covering every episode of an obscure show and you've gotten a lot of these people who thought, well, nobody would even think of this show anymore, you know, back involved in it again. So I was sort of telling Jamie, you know, yeah, he's got this reunion of, like, his favorite show, and there's going to be all these people coming on. It's actually a pretty big deal. And she's like, well, what's Third Watch? Well, I had told her before I started, I'm like, there's this show Third Watch. is about, like, first respondents, so, like, firefighters, paramedics, police officers. And she's like, well, what's the show's about? I'm like, I literally just told you. <laughs> firefighters, paramedics, police officers. She goes, yeah, I get that, but, like, what's the story? What's it about? I'm like... <laughs> Does it need one? I'm like, if you asked me what is ER about and I said it's about emergency room doctors, would you be questioning me? And she goes, yeah, I guess. And that was just the end of the conversation. So I don't think I'll be getting her watch in third watch, but um, it is cool you got that coming up. And then Terminator month's going to be starting, or Terminator month and a half, whatever. What, what's the date of that starting? Uh, that's at the end of this month, too, around about the same uh, time as the, the reunion episode. So, uh, yeah, it's very end of September it is starting. All right. And, Rossi, I hope you're coming up with some ideas for Halloween for random rewatches. I think we can keep doing this for a little while. Uh, yeah, got hundreds. <laughs> Can't wait to hear them. Um, until we're back next week with uh, Smallville Dichotic. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Send us your ideas for random rewatches if you have any. We may just put it on the list and get it done when Rossi comes up with no decent ideas. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I always have good ideas. Excuse you. Oh, oh almost always. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas month was his idea. Uh, we just started off with something he didn't like. Uh, but, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you can find us. Uh, my name is Colin, and until next time. Oh! Um, my name is Majad, and. <laughs> uh, and my name should be Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but it's not. 
Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.